Can you take me back when we were just kids? We weren't scared of getting older, yeah. Cause no one knows you like they know you, but no one probably ever will. You can grow up, make new ones, but truth is, it's nothing like old. You can't make old friends. Welcome to the show that has little to no meaning and makes little to no sense. It is the show where you can expect the unexpected. This is Nonsensical Talk on the air and in the cloud. Those crazy hosts will talk about anything and everything. And now, from their home studios in Middle Tennessee, here is your hosts, Alan Robertson and Joey Smith. All right, welcome to show number two of season two, Joey. Two and two. Two, two. We are rocking and rolling in the year 2022, uh, and uh, this uh, show is going to be talking about the Black Patch Tobacco War, which is real big from where we're from, uh, and Hopkinsville was where the most, I guess, the most destruction from any of it uh, that happens. And we're going to be out there with Alyssa Keller a little bit to discuss that. But there was a famous poet that wrote about the Black Patch Tobacco War. And you're going to, we're going to talk about him and we're going to go to his birthplace where he lived the first, uh, his adolescent ages growing up until he eventually, uh, I guess, left and went to Vanderbilt, uh, which isn't that far down the road, but still the same. Uh, we're going to be talking about Robert Penn Warren. Absolutely. Stay until the end of this thing, too, because we're going to circle back to Robert Penn Warren several times because, you know, of course, he wrote about the Black Patch Tobacco Wars and um, uh, uh, James Buchanan Duke, who Duke University uh, is eventually named after and how he was over a big tobacco and uh, 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 and uh, farmers that didn't sign uh, uh, or signed with, uh, they formed like an association or some people call a U-N-I-O-N. <laughs> a union. Uh, and uh, so, uh, but he wrote about all this and uh, there's a lot of Robert Penn Warrens. Alan and I go to Clarksville High School, which is now called the Penn Warren. Yes. It's a, they've remodeled it and made nice apartments out of it. The Penn Warren in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, so he graduated from Clarksville High. So Alan, to go there, we shoot that video. You'll you'll want to stay the entire time. That's the shining moment. So uh, trust me, you're going to want to watch that. Where we've got the the flyover of that Clarksville High. We've got a couple other little flyovers that we've got. We emphasize Robert Penn Warren's location, his birthplace in Guthrie, Tennessee, there in Todd County. Uh, beautiful Guthrie, place. Kentucky. Guthrie, Kentucky. That is correct. Uh, right. And the the we reason, go there. Yes, and the reason why we go there is not only because Robert Penn Warren's birthplace is there, but that's where the start of the association started. That was their first meeting location was no more than, I, I would say, 100 yards from where Robert Penn Warren was born is where they had the meeting 
with the association that actually started in Robertson County, but their first meeting was in uh, Todd County there in Guthrie. And it, it's, it, it's going to be wonderful to talk about him. So first, let's talk about Robert Penwarren. Before we go out to uh, visit the birthplace and meet with a uh, wonderful lady there, Miss um, Dor, she basically opened up the doors let us in, let us set up. We had a conversation with her. Joey and I walked through the museum there and we, we saw everything in every corner and learned a lot. Now, in the interview that we did with Miss Doris, she basically, we did not get to talk about everything that was in the, uh, the Robert Penwarren uh, Birthplace Museum. Uh, but let me tell you, there's a lot there. Uh, if you are into uh, Port Laureates, if you're into poetry, if you're into Robert Penn Warren, this is where you want to go. Uh, we, uh, we found out a lot of interesting stuff. We found out that uh, there was a famous baseball player uh, that was good friends with Robert Penn. Uh, it was Kent Griff, uh, Greenfield. Uh, Joey tells me some great things about the baseball teams he was on. Uh, one of them being the, uh, was it the Boston Braves, Joey? Yes. Well, of course, he started out with uh, the New York Giants, which now we know is the San Francisco Giants, Barry Bonds. And uh, I've actually been by that field in San Francisco. Uh, but uh, he was later traded to the, uh, the Boston Braves. Now, Boston had two teams. They had the Boston Red Sox and the Braves. The Red Sox was getting a lot more popularity. And, uh, and, and so, you know, the Red Sox is where uh, Babe Ruth started. And then the curse of the Bambino was after the Red Sox traded him to uh, the Yankees. And the Yankees then started winning eight of the next 20 <laughs> World Series. And the Red Sox didn't win one for like 86 years. So they call that the Curse of Bambino. But it's neat that that was his childhood friend uh, in, uh, you know, in the, the early parts of the 1900s. Uh, and, uh, and they were lifelong friends. Like you... they, every time he would come to Guthrie, he would try to get with Kent. Uh, uh, talk about Robert Penn Warren. Uh, and and uh, just find out how he's doing and, and keep up with each other. If you go to the Birthplace Museum, you're also going to see part of his uniform that he had uh, with baseball that he had. So they've got some memorabilia there that was actually, that Kent actually owned and wore and is, uh, is on display there. Uh, so uh, the Birthplace Museum, you've got to go there. Uh, the numbers, uh, Miss uh, Bobby, she's going to actually tell you her personal cell phone to call her to get access to this location. So as we go to Guthrie, Joey, here we go. We're in the Robert Penn Warren Museum located here in Todd County, Guthrie, Kentucky. Uh, great place to come visit. So much uh, history is built up in this little bitty house it sits on the corner here, and uh, we've got uh, Miss Bobby Dorse. She is with us, uh, and she is going to talk just a little bit. And she does have a little bit of kinage, if you will. Uh, we'll say some kind of background knowledge on this uh, because of, of her uncle. I think is who my husband's uncle. Uh, husband's uncle. Uh, so she's going to kind of talk a little bit about Robert Penn Warren. 
in the early years growing up, we were actually going to uh, visit uh, the place where he was actually born is less than 15 feet behind us here. Uh, there was a small room in the uh, center of the house that he was born in, and we're going to actually take that there in just a little bit, but we're going to talk with Miss Bobby here for a little bit. Miss Bobby, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Standing. Uh, so, Robert Penwarn, can you tell us a little bit about uh, a short version of uh, his early life here? Okay. Mr. Warren was born in this house in 1904-05, I'm not sure exactly which year it was. Uh, they were renting this house at the time, and after his birth, they were here for a while, and then they moved up the street. But they stayed here in Guthrie, and Mr. Warren went to school in Guthrie, and then he went to high school in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is just a few miles from here. So he grew up here. He graduated from high school when he was 15, and uh, so he was he was a very intelligent young man yes ma'am and then he enrolled in vanderbilt yes ma'am <laughs> <laughs> because he uh he became a, a, a very decorated uh, gentleman uh and one of the most uh i guess one of the most prestigious is being announced as the first port laureate he was. of the yes. united states and that was awesome ronald reagan stepped up and did that and pulitzer prize winner yeah pulitzer prize winner <laughs> yes he's the only author that did fiction or and, not and probably uh, poetry and fiction. Yes, so I mean that, that's a that's a huge accomplishment. Yes, it is. Uh, he has ten novels uh, to his name. Uh, the first novel that uh, that comes to mind, and that's because we are in the month of February. Joey and I are doing the uh, Night Riders uh, that actually had a lot of destruction that started right here in Todd County probably no more than 25 i'm say 50 yards from the back side of this house is where the town center used to uh has a placard there where they met for the first time uh we know robertson county is where they originated from but with uh, todd county is where they first met uh so his first novel was the night riders uh robert Penn warren was uh that was one of the books that he he thought was one of his best ones that he's ever did uh, out of the ten he had two that were made into movies, uh, which that is by itself is is phenomenal yes. for an, an author to get a movie made. Um, and so, and that is all the King's Men. And yes. the other one was uh, the uh, Angel uh, Band of Angels. Band of Angels. And, so, and that was with Clark Gable. Clark Gable. <laughs> yes, it was. So, and those were very. But uh, we won't say older movies. We'll just say movies made early. Uh, mm -hmm. because we were not old uh, <laughs> we're nowhere near that so they were just early movies uh, so great uh, information there uh, some of the, the fun stuff of uh, walking through Miss Bobby we, we we actually walked through the house if you would like to be able to get an appointment to come in because right now they don't have an actual person on staff that's here 24 7 or during working hours but they will come in by appointment and actually show the house uh, and the information that Miss Bobby she she's told us everything probably <laughs> then some that we didn't know. Uh, one of the things that uh, we we discussed was the uh, the toy circus uh, that uh, he actually did a book on, uh, and then inspired by uh, some folks uh, around. And you can go see part of that at the uh, Hopkinsville uh, and Christian County 
Museum of Historic Hopkinsville, Christian County, because uh, <laughs> I always put those backwards, and Alyssa Keller's really... On that there, I, I really think that our, our viewers and our listeners, those that are listening on your podcast app, if you could just tell us a little bit about the Toy cir Circus. It was based on a real family. Yes. It's not written using the family's names, but it is based on the venerable family from Christian County. And apparently there was a, a young boy in the family that loved circus animals. And his family would order these circus animals from Germany. And he would go up in the upper part of the house, the attic, and play with these circus animals. And this is where the title Circus in the Attic comes from. And Mr. Warren wrote a short story about that. That is awesome. There's there's a, a, a great display at the Hopkinsville Museum of Circus in the Attic. And now that display will mean something to you. Uh, and just like Alan and Miss Doris said, that uh, make your way to Guthrie, but know that the Robert Penn Warren home is uh, uh, all operated by volunteers. Miss Doris is volunteering her time here today uh, uh, to meet with us. And uh, but there are volunteers that will open the home by appointment, and you'll get to see the home and birthplace of the very first poet laureate and Pulitzer Prize winner and author of of all the king's men and and uh, uh, this history is real close to you if you're in southern kentucky or middle tennessee alan and i always uh, try to uh, point out some things that you may have just driven by every day <laughs> and not known what that is this little red house in guthrie um, <laughs> it now it means something to you and i must say we would love for you to come uh, we need you there is a, a website and on there, it has my telephone number, which is 931-802-3655. We need you to try to call the day ahead. And if I can't be here, one of the other committee members will be here to take you through the house or we'll reschedule another appointment time. Uh, we prefer not to do it on Sunday. We could, if that's the only day you could come. But any day now, Monday through Saturday. And we're usually open, we can open it earlier now that we don't have an employee, but uh, the, the hours were 11.30 to 3.30, but we can go beyond those hours now since we're volunteering and coming in at any time. Um, we would also welcome small groups. Now the house is small, so we can't accommodate a lot of people at one time, but if you had a, a book club, or some other kind of club and you would like to bring them here and go through the house and then they're, we're just 10 miles from Clarksville, we're 25 miles from Hopkinsville. Uh, we also have a couple of little restaurants here that are pretty nice. So, yes, you know, just bring your little group and go eat, you know, after you go through the house. We'd love for you to come. And, and don't think that uh, you're going to get just a little bit on uh, Robert Penn Warren at this house. You're going to get a little bit of everything because uh, <laughs> Robert Penn Warren, he, he, he lived a long life. Uh, it's, I mean, we go back and there's pictures of his mom and dad and his, uh, his grandmother and grandfather are out mm -hmm. here. Uh, and you'll learn more about them, uh, the father being a banker and the mother being a teacher. So that she really, his mother kind of was the one that decided that he was going to graduate from Clarksville High after he graduated from uh, the uh, Todd Central. Central out here because she thought he was a little too young to uh, go to school or go to college. 
and one of the one of the misfortunes that he had was he was accepted into the U.S. Naval Academy, but uh, at the at the summer that he was out playing with his uh, younger brother, and his younger brother threw a rock and hit him in the eye, and uh, unfortunately he lost the eye, and with that he uh, lost the academy and. Um, but uh, he, their loss is our gain because he went to Vanderbilt with a lot of, a lot of uh, interesting people, and even even became an instructor back at Vanderbilt for a long period of time. He was he he went to several colleges, uh, so he worked with a lot of people, and you're going to get a lot of information. And not only that, but you're going to get a lot of Todd uh, County. Uh, knowledge as well because there is one room in here that's set up that has a lot of the information about Todd County and even Christian County uh, and if you don't know about the Jefferson Davis Memorial there's a little table in here that's got all that information too. Uh, and I do want to add that um, when Mr. Warren went to Clarksville High School he got on the train. Guthrie was a train center at that time yes. with Louisville National Railroad. And he would get on the train and ride the train from Guthrie to Clarksville. And I remember even as a girl, and I won't say how long ago that was, <laughs> that, that I got to ride the train to Memphis. And it, it was an experience. And, and at that period in time, my mother would take my brother and I to the train depot mm -hmm. and uh, she would get our tickets and then she would tell the porter or conductor or whoever, she would say, this is Pete and Bobby, they're going to Memphis, they're going to meet their Aunt Martha. And that was it. <laughs> we got on the train and rode. That is awesome. Well, and then uh, I think uh, William Turner says it best, uh, if you ever hear the train whistle, that's progress. Uh, <laughs> so back in the day, that's how these communities actually built their mm -hmm. their livelihoods was off of the train systems and uh, believe it or not we were driving down from Christian County today and got beside a train and rode beside the train for a while it was yep. pretty cool to to know that the train systems is what grew these small areas out and made them uh, well unfortunately as time has gone on the tracks moved mm -hmm. and progress went away uh, but uh, Adams Tennessee is right down the street from here uh, for the Bell Witch uh, so a lot of interesting things right in this this area that will uh, that will keep you uh, it could take a full day two three maybe even a, a weekend uh, to come down um, and some of Joy's is just right down the street at Port Royal uh, the National Park down there, a uh, great place to go and visit. There's a great photo here in the Robert Penn Warren house of uh, the, the covered bridge at Port Royal, which is no longer there anymore. So you actually have to come here if you want to see that covered bridge. And unfortunately, if you, uh, if you want to see what's left of that covered bridge in our October podcast of the uh, Bell Witch, uh, we actually did a flyover in our shining moment. <laughs> uh, if you will, <laughs> our shining moment was uh, of the blocks that are still left there. One is left in the middle of the river, and then there's two on each side that are just kind of uh, they're left in crumbles. Really wish they'd get out and do something about that and build it back. But great pictures, and not only is is that picture here, but there's several news articles, uh, papers, uh, books, uh, anything you can think of that's that's history in this area and even outside of this area is, is in here. Before we leave the idea of trains, let me uh, say also that there's a caboose 
about two blocks from here, from the house, we could walk down there and we are responsible for the caboose right now and we can take you through the caboose. So be sure and plan on that with your with your tour. We're hoping to have a handicap ramp installed soon, but that has not happened yet. So you would have to climb a little ladder. Let me say this. You, you just heard that part. This is a nonprofit run by volunteers. So give, be a cheerful giver. <laughs> yes. And if you want to look for where you want to, uh, pro you know, provide some funds to, you need a tax write-off, Robert Penn Warren <laughs> uh, Museum could always use it. Uh, the, they've done a great job at just bringing it back to where it was. Uh, everything's historical. It, it, it's, it's dated to that time. Uh, the furniture here, there are some work that they need to do to the outside that they still need to get done. So we need to, we need to get get uh, involved if uh, you can, and if you can't, come down, donate your time, uh, and you know we try we we try to bring uh, to you the information. So if you are looking to do something, get down here. Uh, you know, uh, everyone that we've ever had a conversation with has always looked for help. I mean, Christina Scott over there uh, at the Trail of Tears uh, Heritage Park, they're looking for people there. Uh, but donations are always welcome at all of these locations. So get down here, uh, meet Miss Doris, give her a call on her cell phone. She just gave out a minute ago. It's on the website. It will be on our website. Go there. We will also have a link to get to the website to get here as well. So, and even on our Facebook page, we'll have a, a big thumbs up and likes for uh, Robert Pim Warren uh, page there. So, anything you can do, it's greatly appreciated. Um, anything else you have uh, from here? I just want to thank Miss Doris. Yes. We've learned a lot. It's been fun. And, yes. and the sun popped out from the rain. Yes. It was raining when we got here. It's sunny when we're leaving, and it's sunny on the inside of our bodies. Yes. <laughs> right. Thank you, Miss Doris. I appreciate you. Glad to do it. Yes, ma'am. Remember, get down here, visit. Hope you enjoyed that. Now we're going to go and see Alyssa Keller at the Hopkinsville Penny Rowell Museum. I know I'm saying it wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> it's we're the, gonna still promote them the wrong way. <laughs> it's the historic uh, museum of Christian County, or absolutely it County. is. So it is all these things. <laughs> they just can only put so much in but, the title. Hey, the Pinaral was actually the building where we were in. Uh, because the other one is the firehouse, which has the old fire trucks in it. So the Penarol, that is the museum that we, uh, they're actually the old bank there. Uh, she's going to uh, talk a lot about the actual uh, Black Patch Tobacco Wars. She's going to talk about how we're going to be, um, w some of the carnage that happened uh, in Hopkinsville during this time frame and some of the, even the surrounding areas. Uh, and some of Joey's favorite parts of this uh, communication are the ones about uh, Mr. Duke himself. Uh, Absolutely. Like whenever, I, you know, I, I was, uh, uh, as we were having this conversation, uh, you, you go into this meeting thinking, I side with the farmers. And you didn't really learn that there were several farmers that formed what they called the association, which was a union of people that, uh, and, and uh, James Buchanan, I'm not a Duke fan, 
but I'm many. I'm usually a fan of um, of uh, the corporate, the corporation. I'm usually a fan of the corporation, uh, and the farmers sell to the corporation. So they like the employees. They formed uh, a group of sellers association, and so I didn't know that part. I just thought they were upset and they were being cheated. But um, uh, so it, it made me go, "Ooh." Um, uh, a union was doing some violent things prior to Jimmy Hoffa. Hey, and not only that, but it took, uh, it's, uh, what is it now? It's 30 years since the infamous dagger to the heart. Yeah. Christian Leitner. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to burn down Hopkinsville because I'm upset with, with Duke university. <laughs> so I wouldn't burn down Hopkinsville. <laughs> Uh, because they're they're not uh, uh, there's only one tobacco company to sell for. I'd probably just grow something different. <laughs> oh well, Joey, let's uh, let's go out to Alyssa Keller now and absolutely uh, see what you guys stay say. on this, guys. This is good stuff. So uh, we're out here at the uh, Museum of Historic Hopkinsville in Christian County. That's us, and we're with our favorite guest, which is Alyssa Keller. Uh, she's the director here at the museum and. If you don't know what we're going to talk about this month, right behind us is uh, the Night Riders. And so Joey has uh, uh, brought this along back whenever we were doing the uh, Talking Atoms. Uh, and he talked about, uh, hey, we got to do the Night Riders because we're right here in the middle of everything. And so here we are. Um, so without that ado, uh, Joey. Um, well, first, I just want to say, say that uh, one reason why I wanted to cover the Night Riders is it's a historical event that happened here in uh, in the uh, uh, northern Tennessee area and southern Kentucky area uh, and uh, we are also at uh, the 30 year anniversary of Kristen Leitner hitting that shot uh, and so there were folks around here that were upset with the name Duke prior to the 1992 of Christian Leitner hitting that shot. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, I, but I will say that uh, when we dig into the Knight Riders uh, and you go into this story with, uh, and you hear all these aspects, uh, you're gonna learn something that you may have not known, even if you thought you knew a piece of the story of the Knight Riders. And so, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop right there, and uh, and, and and let the uh, uh, and let the story happen. The story to me starts even further back okay, than that. Let's go. Um, so when this area, this region, um, this part of Kentucky and uh, southwestern Kentucky and northwestern Tennessee, when this was settled, you have um, settlers coming, European settlers coming in from Virginia and North Carolina, where they grew tobacco, and they get here and they find land conditions, climate conditions, all of those things that match up with what they're used to. And so tobacco becomes a major, major cash crop here. Um, the catch with that is we grow a very um, kind of a unique 
strain of tobacco. It's a different plant. It's um, um, dark tobacco. Um, you, you'll hear it called dark tobacco. You'll hear it called dark fired tobacco, dark fire cured tobacco. And it's even like a different um, plant than the burly tobacco that actually goes into cigarettes. Now, so what Duke has done is after the Civil War, he's created this tobacco kind of empire of sorts and the cigarette rolling machine and how he gets um, a monopoly on it allows him to get a monopoly on a bunch of other things. And so he takes his American tobacco company um, and buys up other tobacco companies as well. So he basically is the only buyer for tobacco. And what we're growing here is this dark fire cure tobacco that doesn't go in cigarettes. It actually goes into um, pipe tobacco, chewing tobacco, snuff, that kind of stuff. And was very popular in Europe. I love the mm. thought that this you know local Kentucky, Tennessee product is going to Europe all sure. the time. Um, so that is what we're growing. And really, this little region of um, southwest um, Kentucky, northwest Tennessee, it's the only place ever any in the world that grows the dark fire cured tobacco. So again, it's a different um, plant itself. The leaf is uh, darker, hence the name, and um, it also is cured by fire, by smoke. And so when the um, plant is cut, when it's hung in the barn, um, like there is an air cured dark tobacco, but our very specific strain that we use here is primarily fire cured. So a fire is built in the barn, in the bottom, a low kind of smoldering sawdust fire, and um, the smoke itself is what cures the tobacco leaf. I talk like about this like I'm a farmer. I am not. No, no, you're telling it. Well. Oh my gosh, I, I do I'm, not know. I'm, I'm getting a picture of driving by barns. <laughs> if, if you've ever, if you're not from. Uh, the, the southern Kentucky or, or north middle Tennessee area, uh, it, it's a common thing that uh, people call 911 and it's say there's a barn on fire. And uh, so they have to put in the news around here uh, that when you uh, are seeing smoke billowing out of a, out of a barn, uh, it's, it's uh, fire season. For, but firing tobacco season. And the and so, museum here has a wonderful little barn over there so, with the smoke rolling we out. We do, of we do. We also have a, we have a barn that was, um, it's a it's a miniature barn that was made by a local artist um, that does have smoke coming out of it and it's got little low fires, uh, little flights that look like low fires in it. And we have a great video as well that documents the um, dark tobacco process um, and it was done in 2019 so it documents how it's done now. Um, one of the things about growing tobacco in this in this area is it's incredibly labor-intensive and incredibly hands-on. Um, it has been mechanized to like a very small degree now but when we're talking night rider time every inch of it was done by hand. Um, you'll hear it called a 13-month crop because you have got to prepare your field for next year before you have sold this year's crop. This is, um, I think this, we're right in, in, um, in the winter is when you would strip tobacco and then sell it, take it to market. Yes. Uh, so what you've got going on here is you've got a number of, uh, uh, tobacco companies that are buying tobacco from farmers. And I think the way it worked is you would, um, kind of, you, the tobacco company would visit you at your farm and kind of offer you a price. This is back before the loose floors really started. And so they would be um, kind of bargaining this price um, directly with farmers. And the American Tobacco Company then um, under the um, the our mindset and under kind of the, the ownership and leadership of uh, Buck Duke, what's his? James Buchanan James, Duke. James, James Buchanan Duke. Um, that uh, 
he's the only one that's offering prices anymore. So he can offer whatever price he wants. And after the Civil War, um, specifically, the uh, the demand for tobacco had gone up really high um, with cigarettes, with the um, exporting to Europe, and um, farmers here were doing really well. It was our big cash crop. They'd been growing it here since the settlers moved here, um, and it had really taken off. And it, you know, people were happy. Everybody was eating good. Um, in the late 1860s, the first uh, train comes through Hopkinsville. We have a first train line coming in, and so when the railroad gets here, then the market gets to move here. Until then, we've been taking tobacco to be sold at market further away. And so when the market comes here, then you've got Hopkinsville um, proper as both like kind of the business a business hub for the tobacco market, but then also the the county, the farming, the agriculture side of it as well. So Hopkinsville's kind of got a unique place in this story. So you've got all these different tobacco uh, warehouses that are owned by different people, and they're the ones that are, you know, transferring things in and out and to the to the big tobacco company. So what happens now, you got Buck Duke that owns everything, so he's the only one offering a price. And what farmers had been getting, you know, eight, nine, ten cents a pound for their tobacco, it gets taken down to the one, What's two, it? and three. Three, two, one, and a cousin. And a cousin. That's yeah. the way That's, yeah. And because they grade the tobacco, and there's, I don't ever know all the right of them, but you've got your best leaf and your lugs and your trash, and they have different. The whole tobacco process has its own uh, language. And around here, you don't plant tobacco, you set it. You don't, um, you, you don't harvest it, you cut it then you spike it and then you hang it and you do fire, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole language. Um, so the price of tobacco goes down dramatically and um, farmers don't know what to do. So a meeting is called in 1904 and it was held in Guthrie in yeah. Tide County because Guthrie had um, multiple rail lines coming through. It was the crossroads of the world. So <laughs> every train led to Guthrie, but then came, uh, farmers came from far and wide. Um, by buggy, by train, by however they could get there. And I think it was, uh, I mean, like a 5,000 person gathering, which is pretty big in September of 1904. Um, and Felix Ewing, who is a Robertson County man out of Tennessee, he's really kind of the mastermind behind this first meeting and behind setting up what was called the Dark Fire Tobacco Growers Association of West Kentucky and Tennessee, which is very, <laughs> wow. uh, just real convenient to say. So, um, real catchy, but so we just called the association yes. most of the time. So, um, the association um, is formed, and the idea behind the association is they're going to be a holding agency. So, if you've only got one buyer in the American Tobacco Company and all of its affiliates, um, if you only got one buyer, but you have multiple sellers, let's only have one seller. Yeah. So, now there's more bargaining power. So, what they're trying to convince farmers to do is to, instead of selling directly to the company, to give it to the association, the association will hold it, and then they'll sell it, and then pay the farmers back. Right. So it's a big gamble, because sure. they don't know, the farmers don't know if the association's gonna be able to sell it, they don't know what price they're gonna get, and if, I mean, of course the buyers for the big guy, I mean, they're, they're smart, and they're offering farmers directly more and more money, they're raising the price on them. So, um, so farmers have a tough choice to make. Are they going to be, are they going to join the association or are they going to be an independent farmer? And um, this starts like uh, in 1904 is when they come together. I mean, the hardship had started right at the turn of the century. And so this is when they come together to figure out what to do. And so this association, I mean, it really, it's like a co-op. Um, it's a, um, it's like a union of yeah. all sorts. I mean, it's basically, when, when the when the folks that are doing the work and they're 
wanting the wages uh, against the corporation. Uh, the corporations, right. the uh, the farmers were forming, uh, and many times we have unions and uh, uh, associations uh, that represent the employee right. uh, today. And so... Uh, uh, it's just different in that um, before the association, they were not connected. You yeah. know, they weren't uh, yeah. bound to each other. Sure. Uh, I would say that culturally they were. Yeah. That um, uh, rolling back is hard work. And I think that... Uh, I a, mean, I say that like I've ever done they, it. They each uh, knew what, what uh, the sweat that... That went in. Yeah, the sweat equity for sure. And, and uh, they had an under, a mutual understanding of the problem, of their side of the problem. And my understanding, we kind of talked about this before, is like when tobacco would get cut, uh, it was like everybody pitched in. Like nobody had enough hands to start to cut their own. So like you would cut this field and you cut that, you know, that sure. patch, whatever. Like a barn raising type yeah. thing. And like, then, uh, so the, like the, the community was always a unit I would say but not had not come together in this kind of more overarching official way so that comes together in 1904 and I think early on the the percentages that they were looking for if they could have 80% of the farmers um, join that they thought that that would be good enough I think it was 80% but as time progressed the association got bigger bigger and bigger and more powerful and then it became kind of like we want we need a hundred percent of the farmers and some of these farmers that wanted to be independent, which is frankly the way of usually farmers are going sure, to be yeah. um, portrayed, if nothing else, um, a, they didn't want to join. They were um, called hillbillies. Yep. If you were an independent, you were a hillbilly. And um, then you would be encouraged to join. <laughs> and the encouragement over time got stronger and stronger um, and more persuasive, one might say, and um, definitely more violent. So by 1906, you have um, the, the movement of, um, of vigilante approaching farmers um, who have not yet joined the association to get them to do so. And that's where the Night Riders come in. They were not called Night Riders at first. Night Riders is a much bigger term than this area. Um, the term Night Rider um, is used um, in a like kind of southeastern region um, for, uh, the, you know, putting on a mask and doing right. things you're not supposed to do um, to hurt people. Um, initially, they were called possum hunters because they worked at night. Worked at night. And so they were looking out, out looking for possum. But um, then it was, I think it was A.O. Stanley, um, who worked in a lot of different aspects. He was a, um, a representative, I believe, at the time. He, or senator, excuse me, he was a senator. Um, and he was like, this night riding has got to stop. And so that's kind of where this area adopted the term night rider for these guys. Gotcha. And um, I, they would disguise themselves. They, like this, that is a, yeah. that, that is a, a, a real legitimate night rider mask. Um, that's not one that we made. That was one that was found in a trunk, uh, in a trunk um, that was used. Um, and the they would wear um, they would wear masks. They would wear bandanas and handkerchiefs over their faces. They, they some things say they even wore fake mustaches, which I think is hilarious. Um, there's a lot about this. And, I don't think it's funny, but so the did fake mustaches. To themselves, I mean, not when they were dressed in disguise, going into these communities, um, uh, destroying property and and uh, and acting uh, having violence, uh, but. 
the association, did they refer to themselves as the association? Um, the association, yes. And the association never, to my knowledge, um, endorsed the Night, the Night Rider movement. But a lot of the associations were Night Riders. But they knew that the people being attacked were not members of the association. Correct. Correct. Um, so the, the whole like Night Rider movement starts and they start meeting in secret in, in schoolhouses. The Stainback resolutions are the first ones that come out. Um, and I think that's Stainback Schoolhouse. I think it's in Robertson mm-hmm. County mm-hmm. in Tennessee. Um, and it's like this idea that once you join, you will never tell anyone what happens. You will not... Uh, uh, let anything out about the goings on um, that uh, you were there to encourage and um, enlist more farmers to join Mm -hmm. the association to join the cause um, that you could visit I think it was anywhere from two to two thousand or something there was some number put on it there was an oath taken and a lot of these meetings were happening in schoolhouses and in churches and places at night Um, and then um, it's going to kind of move and grow like I said, the first one, I believe, is in Robertson County, but then um, Dr. David Amos in Caldwell County, in Cobb, in Caldwell County, he's going to become kind of known as the the head, the mastermind yes. behind it all. And um, he, was a, he was a country doctor. That's what he was. Um, not a farmer necessarily, but um, I don't think you can live in Cobb and not be connected to <laughs> Some the agricultural sure. community. Um, uh, so he definitely understood the plight of the farmer. And so... Um, it seems like from his standpoint, you know, he was trying to help regain that um, economic status that they had lost when the price of tobacco went down. I mean, people were hungry, and but um, being hungry and attacking your neighbors, are, you know, it's a fine line. It's a even very your, complicated story. Even uh, uh, your brothers or cousins. Uh, Absolutely. You, you know, family, you were attacking them. I mean, it was a, it, this is a very brother against brother yeah. story for sure. It's almost like the Civil War, North and South. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind but of, it might, but it might be even closer than that. It can be even like farm to farm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If if you're a member of the association um, of uh, or this uh, this union of of tobacco farmers that's gotten together, the ones that haven't joined you might be the the farm right next door. Yeah. Uh, that you're in the association. <laughs> And sometimes encouragement, uh, I would say as simple as, um, I read a newspaper article about, it was out of Bainbridge, which is in kind of northwest Christian County, um, that a couple of farmers who had not joined the association were greeted in, you know, in under the cover of night, I think, you know, phone line, they didn't have any access to any kind of outside thing, but they were uh, brought outside in their bedclothes, they were greeted, like I say, with uh, masked men. Um, likely with torches, and they were told that if they did not join the association and have it printed in the newspaper that they joined, um, that they would be back. Mm. And so, in the newspaper, the you know next day it was like new members of you know, and it told who they were. Um, and then it was, I think, it seems like that it was a uh, it built. So then, and then they would be back, and then they would be back. So other things they would do if you had um, when the real tender little uh, tobacco plants are set initially um horses would be run through tear up your bed i think yeah. uh, fields got salted um uh barns your whole year's worth of work hanging in a barn we talked about how they build a fire in the barn smoke coming out of the barns fine fire is not um and barn whole barns would be set on fire so everything you'd work for gone no. um and so it and it, it 
got personal for sure. Um, and so it ends up moving from kind of these attacks on individual farmers to attacks on warehouses that are in um, kind of city centers, town centers like Hopkinsville. Yeah. Big raid run on Hopkinsville in December of 1907. Yes, right behind. Um, and this was, at least anecdotally, um, we we believe that most of the night riders that came into Hopkinsville were not from here. Um, they were coming from further west and maybe even up from Tennessee, um, but they would have uh, ridden in on buggies and however they could get here um, and came in under the cover of night, um, upwards of 500 of them working in troops. They each, you know, there were I think five troops and they had a specific spot that they were to go to. They came in, they, um, one troop went out to the water station and cut water off. They went to the police station, held them, went to the telegraph office, held the women there so that they couldn't get word out, went to the fire station, held the fire department, and just did what, did every, it was very coordinated uh, attack on Hopkinsville. They were looking to burn barns that had non-association tobacco in them, or not barns, excuse me, warehouses that had non-association tobacco in them. And then there were specific targets on specific people too. Uh, independent tobacco buyers um, were targeted. So uh, men that were working for these companies that were going out and still trying to encourage farmers to buy from them. Um, a man named Lindsey Mitchell was pulled out of his house and beaten on Main Street, um, the uh, uh, one of the newspaper offices, the Hopkinsville Kentuckian was printing at the time, and uh, Charles Meacham was the editor and publisher of the newspaper, and he was also the uh, mayor of Hopkinsville at the time, and very outspoken against the Night Riders. Um, he was hunted down, they didn't find him. Oh um, he hid in the basement, I think, of the Baptist Church, um, but because he came to town when he heard stuff and they ransacked the Kentuckian office, but they didn't find him. Um, there, it was it, anyone that was seen out on the street, you know, um, were rounded up into what they called uh, the bullpen, and it was right outside the museum at the um, at the corner of Ninth and Liberty Streets, and they were held until everything was over. Um, if a light came on a window, it was shot at, you know, all that kind of stuff was going on. Um, the very coordinated attack. They were here for a couple hours. They did burn two warehouses that had non-association tobacco in them. One of the fires jumped and burned one of their own warehouses. Mm. Um, so there's that. So there's an association warehouse also. Oh, yeah. Collateral oh, And they, they don't necessarily have those names. You know, they were owned by yeah. people. Yeah, they association were, member. Right. Um, and so then after that happened, they, I think they let the fire department out so they can put fires out. And um, also, allegedly, we'll say, Dr. Amos, who was allegedly a part of the raid, was shot allegedly <laughs> and um, once that happens they you know load him into a, a wagon and boogie on out of town um a posse a sheriff's posse follows him out and they do shoot and kill one night rider on the way out at least one on the way out um there was a trial held for the raid on hopkinsville that's christian county courthouse in march of 1911 um a number of night riders i think were named in the trial um, but Dr. Amos was the one that was tried first. Um, he, I mean, talk about, there's, I've not read it, but I know people who have like thousand pages worth of, you know, like court transcription. Um, and they, the prosecution brings in people that say they were with Dr. They were at the raid on Hopkinsville. They were with them and said, 
Did he get shot? Well, that's what he said. You know, like, so, yes, he did. Then you have defense witnesses that are all, um, like, his daughter and um, little old ladies. He was at my mother's bedside that night. <laughs> um, and the uh, jury, 12 men in the jury, 11 of them are farmers, and one was a carpenter. And Dr. David Amos was found not guilty of leading a raid on Hopkinsville. And then I think they just kind of, the rest of the court cases dissolved at that point. Um in the meantime, though, there was something that I don't know a ton about, but there were a, a group that came together that called themselves the Law and Order League. And the Law and Order League were um, people trying to combat the Night Riders mm -hmm. and trying to protect farmers. Um, the uh, state state government sent state militia in to um, like watch Hopkinsville. There are pictures of uh, you know guards here. There are pictures of guards in fields with rifles with their with farmers to protect them um as they grew the grew their tobacco and then this night rider movement it kind of gets off the rails too um it's this movement in particular starts out as a we need a better price on our tobacco right. um but then even once the price kind of starts to rebound in about 1908 night riders are still the, the violence is still happening and actually kind of like this increasing. is what we do yeah this is what we do this is how we settle our uh, our problems is what we, this is how we get people, what get people do what we want. But you know, like a, right. it kind of expands and there's a lot of things that get, um, uh, that happen in a, really a short time frame, a few years that um, kind of fall under this uh, violent era. That, they ended up having to get the federal government in by taking one of the ladies moved across the state line. Mary Lou. Mary Lou to, yep. to get the federal involved because it was across state line and that's how they started to break it down. And I mean, finally it was the Sherman Antitrust Act that broke up the American tobacco companies as a monopoly and that kind of helped break everything down. Because really the association in different kind of incarnations uh, exists up through the 1930s in different ways. Right. Um, but yeah, Mary Lou, Mary Lou Hollowell, she's a Caldwell County lady. She doesn't live too far from Cobb, frankly. Um, and she's one of these, one of those stories of the, the brothers fighting. But Mary Lou was a very outspoken woman. Um, her husband was a farmer out in the country, but um, she ran a boarding house in Princeton. And so County Oak, where we are now, and while she was at the boarding house and serving food, she would hear things about this Night Rider movement and about who was doing what and where everybody was going. And she wasn't having any part of it. Right. And she, the story is that she went to the grand jury in Caldwell County and started naming names. One thing that I noticed that, or, or, or I learned, is that they, the Night Riders uh, or uh, would attack some of the smaller communities like Russellville. They were getting practice, I guess, by well, going... Well, Rus Russellville was a pretty big hub, too. Mm -hmm. Russellville, um, Logan County was definitely a hotbed of the Night Rider activity, too. So you go from, like, Logan and Todd um, into Christian and Trigg and Callaway, and then you go up into Caldwell and Lyne, mm -hmm. um, but then over into um, Crittenden and Livingston. I mean, like, it's this whole area. And then not even to mention all the counties in Tennessee. Yeah, I didn't Robinson, name off. Yeah. <laughs> well, they it, wouldn't mess with Clarksville because there was no way out. Okay, well, there you go. So there was only one way out of Clarksville, and so they couldn't get out in there and do anything and get out because of the Red River uh -huh. and the uh, Cumberland River. So they were kind of like, well, we're, we can't go mess with them. <laughs> so they, they left Clarksville out of it, even though Clarksville was part of that. And I oh, yeah, Clarksville definitely um, part of it. Uh, uh, the Hopkinsville community uh, was a little bit boastful uh, or bragging that, 
how they've done a good job of holding the Knight Riders well, outside. It, was, it seems like it was a it was definitely a point of pride that the night that the Knight Riders were going to take Hoptown, and they had like a um, a raid that. Um, got called off at the last second because they were been worried of it received in town. I mean, so it was a, it was definitely everybody was on high alert. There was seven years of this, yeah, of um, of this kind of uncertainty of of economics of what's going to happen to your crop one way or another. Um, I mean, and so it, it sounds like it was a very complicated time <laughs> and a hard time and a time that now looking back on. It's easy to kind of put a 21st century lens on it, um, uh, and some things that I personally wouldn't condone, no matter what. But this is definitely a time when uh, it's it's tough history. And then you're going to have, um, like, say, people under this um, this umbrella of violence doing things that have nothing to do with tobacco at all, right. um, and uh, attacking people for not living their life the way they think they should live their life or not being who they think they should be. Uh, I know we've uh, kept you out here, Alyssa, so get down here to the museum always. Uh, every time you come in, there's something different. Uh, I've been here now three times. First time uh, was uh, probably last year. Then in January, we came or came back up here and then now here again. And there's, there's a display that's changed every time. So come on out anytime, take a peek in and see what they got. We also manage and operate the Woody Winfrey Fire Transportation Museum um, that has old fire trucks and old uh, automobiles and transportation items. And that one, you come here, we take you over. And that's the one I want to see next. So, <laughs> um, Alyssa, thank you so much for being with us uh, and enjoyed the wonderful story. Welcome back. And didn't we tell you that yes. you're going to learn some different perspectives that you didn't know before? Like, I went into that thing thinking... Um, I saw with tobacco farmers. I didn't realize that tobacco farmers that were had formed an association were the ones burning down other tobacco farmers for not joining their union. Uh, I didn't know that part of it. Of it, yes, I thought I that they were trying to destroy the things against James Buchanan Duke, uh, but they were not. They were destroying other tobacco farmers that would not sign with their union. And, and I agree with that, Joey, because I didn't know that either. I, I walked into that kind of like when you were talking about Night Riders. I was thinking, oh, these people, they're actually rebelling against the tobacco company. Well, they were rebelling against the tobacco company, but against themselves. And it, it really heart, heart-wrenching. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy that's out there. Uh, you can go look him up on YouTube. I, I, I don't... Uh, I don't not promote uh, folks, but uh, a guy by the name of Rick Gregory tells a great, great story. Uh, and he uses a lot of the terminology that we heard with Alyssa, but uh, he can actually go in and bring you out a story that will just make you understand it because he wants to make sure you understand that it was the situation the people were in. It wasn't bad people beating good people. They were it, just it, and they even, and and we could all agree that when you're starving, your family's starving, it makes yeah. a lot of folks go to some desperate areas in their mind and in mm -hmm. their actions uh, that they wouldn't condone either. And yeah. uh, and, and so, um, but yeah, go to the um, the museum in Hopkinsville, but also go to the one in Adams, Tennessee. They have a great. Uh, yes. uh, uh, Night Riders uh, display, and that's where you'll find Rick. 
and you'll you can find Rick there, and he is in Robertson County uh, at the uh, at the Robert Penwarren Birthplace Museum. There's a spot in there about the Night Riders. You got to remember that was the first novel wrote by Robert Penwarren. Uh, so he looked at it as one of his most cherished books, and he goes in and I'm gonna tell you, I got the book on Audible, and it was fantastic. Uh, I would highly recommend that book. Uh, of course, Robert Penwarren also has many, many, many other books. He has many poems. Only Poet Laureate to be uh, given two Pulitzer Prizes. And, and so, With that phenomenal. said, Alan and I go to uh, we're in audible.com all the time because we're in our cars and you can just listen to a lot of books and content on audible.com. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, there's... We might have a link here or something like that uh, in this video or in future videos. Uh, you'll get to hear a lot of this stuff by going Audible. And there's a lot. Of, and, and again, Joey and I, we, we, we're digging into history. We love digging into history. Uh, so be, be, be here with us. Enjoyed uh, having you and loved that you uh, took this time with us today to go over this. Don't forget the Did You Knows. Uh, Joy and I are trying to put out at least once a week. Uh, come on over, take a listen to them because, as Joy says, if you're out there at that picnic or at the water cooler, you could make some people go, man, he is smart. Pull up he, a couple did you knows before you go to it. And, exactly. and it's a one minute elevator speech on, hey, did you know about Michael Keaton? You know, it's uh, those type of things. But that simple. Uh, these are the stories behind the stories. Thank you for going on this journey to the museums with us and to Clarksville High and Robert Penn Warren Birthplace. Be good to each other. Yes, and get to YouTube, subscribe, like, give us the description. Tell us what you want us to go do next. We're, we're, we're open to doing anything as long as it's within driving distance and we can reach it. Or if we just need to bring it up and do some research on it, we'll be more than happy to do this. But as Joey always says, you know, we love you. Uh, keep coming back and have a great rest of the month of February. <laughs>